Assalamu alaikum, peace be on you, and welcome to Sisters on Air on the Voice of Islam Radio, a women's show where we explore a variety of topics relating to women in religion and society. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Akbar Khan, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about minimalism in contrast to materialism. The treasures and trinkets that this world offers are vast. Just go to any shop and I'd be surprised if you told me that you weren't tempted to have an item or several items that you encountered. However, the question that we're going to be diving into today is, does attaining material goods provide us with satisfaction that leads us to fulfillment? Or is it only an illusion? In this episode, we'll be speaking about the impact of materialism on our lives and whether it's beneficial or if it has a detrimental effect on us. It's important that we take a moment to reflect on how materialistically we are choosing to live our lives. The reason this is important is because if we realize that we are not being wise in our lifestyle choices, we can easily spiral into unhealthy ways of living. It's also important to reflect on the topic of materialism versus minimalism because we don't want to be caught in a rat race that leads us to nowhere. We want to make sure that if we are chasing after worldly goals, it's for reasons that are well-defined and that serve a clear purpose that is in line with our values and what we ultimately want out of our lives. The other reason it's important to talk about this is because while attaining material treasures can be fulfilling to some extent, at some point that happiness does plateau and we stop deriving such satisfaction from worldly gains. Therefore, it's important to understand what this point is so we're not caught in a pattern of chasing something that's leading us nowhere. Material success seems to be an important marker that humans use to determine how successful and therefore how happy someone is. But the irony comes when this marker is doing just the opposite. It might make us feel as though we are more successful. However, what if it is making us unhappier as opposed to happier? If it is making us unhappier, it's difficult to have that confrontation within ourselves about making a change within. Now, technology is really smart and knows how to sell us what we want, but we need to make sure that we are smarter. How can we do that? By being aware that this is how the system works so that we're one step ahead of the game. I find it really important that we delve into this discussion about materialism to help us reflect on our actions while taking a moment to think about whether it is better to live a state of materialism or a state of minimalism. So to go into minimalism a bit, I imagine a life of minimalism consists of little to no attachment to worldly objects and a desire to connect with one's inner self as well as the environment around them. Minimalism does have a variety of benefits, but it can also take things to an extreme. My personal opinion is that being moderate in our actions is always the best path. However, minimalism does have its plus points. Our levels of happiness should not be dependent on inanimate material objects. Let's not let material things control us and who we are. Hence, when our happiness is no longer attached to worldly objects or gains, it's a very liberating, freeing, and joyous feeling. Personally, whenever I start to have a material desire for a certain object, whatever that object might be, it feels like the most amazing thing. I feel like, oh, I have to have this. This or, you know, this is something that I've been dreaming about for ages. I can't live without it. 
so on and so forth. However, whenever I do get that object, I do find myself wanting the next best thing or becoming very desensitized to having it. So it was just the want that was the feel, the good feeling. It wasn't actually having it that, you know, brought me the satisfaction. So I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with it per se because it is human nature. So to call that um, wrong is a little bit tricky because, uh, you know, we, we as human beings are wired to want to progress and grow. And achieving these things is one way in which we feel as though we are progressing and growing. Um, so I'm not saying there's any shame in having those feelings. All I'm saying is that we need to learn how to control those feelings when they're getting in our way, when they're um, starting to change who we are in a negative way. It's uh, just about being aware of our desires and not letting them get into the, in the way of uh, things that are truly important in life. By contrast, living life in complete minimalism also has its drawbacks. God Almighty has bestowed the great gift of this life to us. And while it is temporary and we ultimately belong to him, it is meant to be embraced, valued, appreciated, and enjoyed. Materialism shouldn't get in the way of things that are important to us. However, there's no need to take it to the opposite extreme either. As I said, if done so in moderation, I see no harm. As a practicing Muslim, I've always had great admiration that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, lived a life that consisted of impeccable qualities of, of simplicity and modesty. There is a lot to be learned from the way that he led his life with regards to this. His characteristics of simplicity were also a display of how humble he was and how he never thought of himself as superior to anyone else, and he never had an ego of any sort. He thought of all human beings the same, whether rich or poor, regardless of their background or lifestyle. While he did acquire a great deal of wealth after his marriage to Hazrat Khadija, may Allah be pleased with her, he chose to distribute his money for the benefit of society, giving it to people who needed it more than he did, rather than purchasing luxury items that had no value other than to fuel the ego or feed a materialistic appetite. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, is known to have said that moderation in spending is halfway to good economics. There is a lot that we can learn from the example that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, set. So I would like to further our discussion with our studio guests who have been so kind to join us today. I'd like to introduce Samra Malik, who works in the finance industry, as well as Alina Ahmed, who is a university student currently studying journalism. Assalamu alaikum, peace be on you both, and welcome to this episode of Sisters on Air. In today's day and age, it can feel like to live a minimalistic lifestyle has to be an active decision rather than happenstance, in that we live in such a consumeristic society that it can be easy to slip into materialistic tendencies without even realizing it. There are powerful forces at work to influence us and lead us down paths that take us away from lasting happiness and peace. I'm talking about advertisements on TV and social media with endless algorithms on every app on our phones collecting data to cater content to us that they know will lure us in. Therefore, let me ask our studio guests, how do you feel about the debate between minimalism versus materialism? Is it something that we have much control over? And looking at your own life and experiences, do you have a preference towards one or the other? Summer, if I come to you first, please. Thank you. Well, the true meaning of minimalism is one with varied opinions, 
often becoming a grey area. It is commonly said that minimalism consists of living with those things which you really need to support your purpose and emphasises removing the distraction of excess possessions, enabling you to focus on that which is most important. However, the debate often arises with what is classified as those things which you really need. Some may call a new phone unnecessary, whilst others may say it is unessential. The question is, are we required to live a life of absolute minimalism, fulfilling only the most basic human rights? In my view, the short answer is no. First and foremost, it stems from living within your means and moderation. Islam's excellent principle of moderation is coherently laid out for us. Allah does not forbid us from spending on ourselves, but rather in moderation. Islam does not condone asceticism or hedonism, as it states in the Holy Quran. And those who, when they spend, are neither extravagant nor niggardly, but moderate between the two. Chapter 25, verse 68. Following on, today's society is one which is increasingly becoming dependent on using materialism as a medicine for emotional and physical difficulties. An individual's worth and entire existence is based off their material possessions. As a result, people do not, for example, as Islam says, spend time in the remembrance of Allah, but that of material gain. It is further stated in the Holy Quran, Vying with each other for amassing wealth had made you oblivious, even when you reached the graveyards. Nay, you will soon come to know the truth. Nay, again, you will soon come to know. Chapter 102, verses 2 to 5. As you mentioned, Michelle, in today's society, it can be very easy to become absorbed in materialistic goods, even without realising. We are immersed in a society which deems wealth as the core foundation of success and with constant exposure to the latest tech, it can become very difficult to have control over maintaining a sufficient balance. I too have been swept up in looking at the latest phones and cars. However, moderation has to be key. The famous saying, money doesn't buy happiness, has certainly proved to be true. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, and I quote, If a man owns even a valley full of gold, he would still wish for another valley. One does not fulfil one's spiritual and emotional needs through materialism. It is only through God that we can attain inner peace, and our wealth is but only through God. In one of his Friday sermons several years ago, His Holiness Mirza Rasul Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, stated, and I quote, Increasing materialism has taken mankind away from moral values, religion and God. There are very few people who appreciate that all the blessings in this world are from God, and it is him alone who has given man the capacity to invent things to facilitate convenience and safety. Through following guidance and staying close to our religion, we can ensure that we maintain control over excessive spending. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I really liked everything that you said. It was um, very interesting and I couldn't agree more. Um, Elena, can we have your thoughts as well? Um, firstly, I'd like to say that I do agree with the idea that we should live in moderation. It's never good to have too much of anything or to be overt about the things we do have. Um, the beauty of Islam is that it teaches us to live in simplicity. There is a hadith where the companion of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, 
Abu Amama, may Allah be pleased with him, reported that the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, Verily, simple living is part of faith. Simple living is part of faith. When you live as a minimalist, you strive to only use things that serve as a purpose. However, with that being said, growing up in this modern society and with the steady rise of social media, I personally do feel like the idea of minimalism becomes much more difficult to attain. With my generation specifically, social media and technology is the focal point for many of ideals and wants. We are consumed by what we are viewing and subconsciously we feed off that content, which is being commercialized to us to keep us engaged. As you mentioned earlier, Unfortunately, many of us do not realise when we are being led astray, which makes it harder for us to differentiate between our wants and needs. Material items are often things that do not last or do not have much positive or beneficial value to our lives. They simply create a passing feeling of fulfilment. Ultimately, I do feel like it can be one of the causes to our downfall, so to speak as many of us tend to lose sight of the value in non-material things because we are too busy trying to chase those material and worldly objects. I would like to say that as a person I don't find my happiness in material things, but I know that I would find it much more exciting to walk into a shop and buy a bag for myself, rather than put that money aside and give it to charity. Now both of those options will reflect my hard work, but as a society, we have decided that these items that are of high value or big brands will equate to us achieving more happiness and fulfilment. It is in our nature as humans to constantly look for the next thing to fulfill us without realising that the feeling we are so desperately looking for and chasing can actually be found in our faith. There is a hadith which states that when a man takes one step towards Allah, Allah takes ten steps, and when he walks towards Allah, Allah runs towards him. This hadith should show us that the benefits we reap when taking a step towards faith rewards far much more than if we got that bag we've been saving for. I think it just goes to show how blinded we can be by worldly objects. Yeah, absolutely. And having that awareness of how blinded we are is so important because some people don't take a moment to stop and reflect on uh, on uh, how materialism is changing their lives um, and, you know, just uh, taking control of of them as a person in a way that's very detrimental to them. But all that being said, materialism is not always a bad thing. For example, uh, materialism is typically defined by an attachment to worldly objects. Um, and sometimes it's necessary to be reliant on them. We need them to get through our daily life functions, for example. So it's also important in the sense that material objects can help to drive our interests. I know that shopping in excess might not be healthy, but I know purchasing something I've had on my wish list after working hard for it um, does come with a feeling of satisfaction. If done so in moderation, I don't believe that there's any harm in it. At the same time, I do feel that intangible things are much more valuable in life, such as family, happiness, peace, love, our relationship with God, so on and so forth. While I do value many of the tangible things I own as well, I feel as though I do get desensitized to owning valuable material objects once I do own them. I think generally most people would agree that being overtly materialistic is not a good thing. But does it extend beyond being a bad thing to actually just being dangerous? Alina, what do you think the dangers are of being overtly materialistic? And how can we protect ourselves and those around us from these dangers? 
Well, you know, I think whenever there is too much of anything, it will inevitably cause attitudes of ungratefulness to arise. The biggest danger that comes from being overtly materialistic for me would be ungratefulness. In the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Qasas, chapter 28, part of verse 77 reads, and I'll quote, Surely Allah loves not those who exalt, which alludes to the idea that one who exalts, meaning that the one who feels complete delight in temporary pleasures. Reading the Quranic commentary of this verse tells us that it is about a man in the time of the Pharaoh, a man called Gora, who held one of the principal offices of state under the Pharaoh. He seemed to have persecuted his own people and behaved haughtily and tyrannically towards them. Here his people are telling him not to rejoice triumphantly over his material gains. The name of Gora seems to have symbolically used here for men of material wealth. Abundance of riches has proved the undoing of many a man. The commentary adds that, elated with riches and wealth and lulled into a false sense of security, wealthy people are prone to reject God's message. Social media not only promotes the idea of consumerism, it is also a platform for those with the means to showcase and promote their material and cultural values. It isn't uncommon for us to be well-versed in cultures that are different to ours, and this is all down to social media. When we consume this type of media, it is only natural for us to feel its impact, whether it is positive or negative. I've often found myself at times comparing myself to people I see online. It isn't unnatural to feel like that per se. Many of us do this consciously or even subconsciously, but it is more so about how we deal with it and how we let it impact our day-to-day lives. In an address given at the 2021 National Lajna Imaila UK Ishtama, His Holiness Mirza Masur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, touched on the dangers of glamour of the world and how the younger generation should safeguard themselves from it and stated, and I'll quote, These vain pursuits serve only to increase frustration and anxiety and is leading mankind towards darkness rather than to enlightenment. After hearing this, it opened my eyes a little and it's a realisation for everyone to see that chasing after materials will only take the feeling of fulfilment away more until we see and recognise what we already have and appreciate the things we have. All the unnecessary items we yearn for will be meaningless. Instead of being grateful for what we have, we are preoccupied with what we don't have. His Holiness then went on further to state that if people living in the underdeveloped world are being adversely affected by what they see on TV or the internet, we can only imagine how much harm is being inflicted on people living here at the very epicentre of materialism, greed and consumer culture. The best way for us to attempt to combat or try to protect ourselves from the feeling is remembering Allah the Almighty. We must acknowledge that everything we receive comes from the bounties of our Creator, Allah the Almighty. Allah the Almighty put us on this earth and created provisions for us. The Holy Quran states in chapter 2, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 201, Celebrate the praises of Allah as you celebrated the praises of your fathers or even more than that. We learn from reading the commentary of this verse that this refers to a practice of pagan Arabs where they glorify their forefathers. So here, Muslims are told to glorify Allah instead. Anyway, we can glorify and praise Allah in many ways. We can do so by saying simple things like Alhamdulillah, 
meaning all praise belongs to Allah, the Almighty. We can show our gratitude and remind ourselves our successes are granted by our Creator. So, Alina, I really liked two points that you made there. Um, I liked all the points that you made, but two in particular. One was you used the term temporary pleasures, and I really resonated with that because um, I really couldn't agree more that material objects are just that. They're just temporary pleasures. You get them, and then you know you achieve that little satisfaction then it's gone and then you're craving the next one and it's so temporary and it's uh, you know it's it's things that like uh, relationships with people or our relationship with God or um, all the intangible things really those are the true treasures of this world because that's long-lasting and it's not long-lasting just in this world but it's also in the next as well it takes us um, so far in this world and the afterlife as well. So um, that was one thing. And then the other thing that I just wanted to comment on is um, I really loved what you said about gratitude, because I feel as though someone who who practices really good gratitude and who truly is grateful for the things that they do have, they don't have this desire to always be chasing for other things because they're so satisfied in what they do have. And they have the eyes to appreciate what they do have because a lot of people don't have that. They they always feel inadequate. And going back to what you said about social media, social media is driving people to have this constant um, feeling of inadequacy or that person has more than me. You know uh, what you said about comparing yourself to other people. It's so unhealthy and it drives people to really unhealthy, you know, uh, mental health. Um, the other day at work, we were talking about uh road traffic accidents. Don't ask me how we got to that point. But um, uh, basically, we were talking about how young adults, the number one cause in the the UK and the US for that matter, actually, as well, was road traffic accidents at one point. Um, Now, that's no longer the case. Now, mental health is becoming the number one cause of death. In other words, suicide, secondary to depression, anxiety, so on and so forth. And so I feel like the negative effects of social media and people, especially like the younger generation, always seeing people with, uh, you know, flaunting Lamborghinis and flying first class, you know, uh, private jets and all, all these types of things. First of all, all these things are an illusion because there's so much evidence that shows that uh, these aren't the, the people who are flaunting these lifestyles. This isn't their actual lifestyle. You know, this is just an illusion that they create on social media. But unfortunately, a vulnerable mind doesn't have the maturity to understand that. So they're comparing themselves to something that is just not achievable. And that's so, so dangerous. So just, the you know, again, tying the point back to what I was saying about gratitude, um, I, you know, it's so, so important to practice gra- gratitude on a daily basis and truly remember all that God or Allah Almighty has given us that we should be grateful for on, a, you know, a daily basis. Samara, would you like to further the discussion? <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, I definitely echo a lot of what Alina has said. Materialism in society is such a complex subject. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I think materialism consists of a dominating desire to pursue wealth and it provides physical comfort but ignores spiritual values. Although it can be argued that wealth can prevent depression, having financial resources can protect people from the stresses that drive depression and can lighten the blow of disruptions to daily living. It is when an individual is overtly materialistic that it starts to become dangerous. They begin to define their value in regard to objects they own. 
thus losing their authentic self. As a result, they may become absorbed in comparisons, judging others only on wealth and status, and disregarding their character and qualities. One's perception becomes limited to a monetary aspect, and one only sees money as a means of gaining success. In a study conducted by Harvard Business School, they concluded that psychologically, the acquisition of wealth possessions that signal high status makes us want to distance ourselves from others. In turn, a vicious cycle is created and individuals require more and more to fulfill their desires. The joy that comes with buying each item is only temporary and very quickly it fades away. We almost create an inverse relationship where increasing material gain lead to decreasing spiritual gains and individuals look to use materialism to enhance their personal growth but negatively impact not only spiritual health, but also physical health. If I focus on physical health, the persistent need to gain more money in order to purchase new items and keep up with your so-called image often causes anxiety and the constant worry of having enough money to maintain these worldly desires. Furthermore, persistent or overwhelming negative emotions causes our bodies to release the same hormones used in the fight or flight response. And according to the American National Institute of Mental Health, chronic stress and constant negative emotions contributes to high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, along with many other health problems. As a result, when such individuals are faced with financial difficulties, they resort to taking out large sum loans or through acquiring income in a legally forbidden or criminal manner. Their perception becomes fully distorted as they are constantly seeking that feeling of euphoria associated with materialistic items. In a recent study surveying 1.6 million people across 162 countries, it was found that having large sums of money does not lead to greater feelings of fulfillment. And we can liken this to the famous quote, money doesn't buy happiness. Consequently, how does one ensure that one does not fall into this dangerous trap, which is becoming more prominent than ever? That is the beauty of Islam. Islam promotes a natural economic order, for example, through the wealth tax, zakat. Zakat not only ensures that money flow dynamics are prevented, it endorses surplus wealth, a responsibility. It states in the Holy Quran, Whatever you pay as interest, that it may increase the wealth of the people, it does not increase in the sight of Allah. But whatever you give in zakat, seeking the pleasure of Allah, it is these who will increase their wealth manifold. Chapter 30 verse 40 Islam creates the ideal balance through which we can attain true peace. Yes, absolutely. Um, and going back to the Harvard Business School study that you spoke about, um, what you said there about people ch just chasing constantly, um, you know, becoming wealthier, the acquisition of wealth, as you were saying, um, it's reshifted priorities in this day and age. N no longer is it the desire of people to want to build families and have children. Um, I see less and less people wanting children, um, and that's backed up by studies as well. Um, I know in the Times paper, um, there was an article about this and how people, you know, just don't have that desire. Um, and a lot of that stems from th exactly the reasons that you described, is that they're so caught up in this race of acquiring wealth um, that 
other priorities of life, such as uh, building a family, are, are kind of on the bottom of the list, you know? Um, and I think that's dangerous because I see f- building families and building communities as kind of like the safe havens of this world. You know, that's where we feel safe is inside these social structures that we build. Um, so I feel is that that direction that the world is going to that is a little bit dangerous. Um, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In the era that we're living in today, it also seems as though everything in our world is so heavily commercialized. It all seems to be a numbers game. Um, Everything is attached to a number or price. It's how the world works, and it's the system that our species has created. Human progress and achievement seem to be defined and centered on the basis of our material successes. We often judge others on how materially well-off they are. By the same token, we often feel judged based on how we're presenting ourselves. Do we have the latest gadgets, the high-end labels, so on and so forth? Social media has radically changed not only how we share information, but also what information is deemed worthy of sharing. Now, a famous figure's new outfit can be newsworthy in a matter of seconds, and following this trend, anyone can share similar information about their newest purchases. This can make it very easy to feel that others have everything, and therefore we also need to have everything in order to make us feel happy. Alina, what do you think this dynamic of instantly sharing our newest things says about us as a society, and what is its impact on society as a whole? Um, Linking back to what I also said earlier and what we discussed, um, I think this is very on trend for my generation, and it's something I grew up watching very closely. As a society, I think we are very quick to judge and compare one another. For many of us, our first instinct is to go post our latest achievements, purchases, etc. I remember in secondary school when Snapchat came out with an update where you can make a private story for only select people to see. Many of us, including myself, used it as if we were vloggers and we documented each and every bit of our lives and it created a mixture of feelings. My younger self often felt like I was missing out on things and it was quite disheartening. But the thing we forget as a society is that the attraction of social media, depending on your view, is that whatever is posted is carefully selected to depict a certain storyline. Social media only tells you one side of the story. Many of the influences that my generation looks up to only post what they want us to see. A picture can tell a hundred stories, and even then the one we perceive may not even be the right one. If we really look closely at the impact of social media, it is only just a dangerous one. We have to be careful with what we share on the internet. Many young children and teens face online bullying, and it can have a detrimental effect on their lives. I think a lot of people are unaware of some of the dangers they can encounter online. Identity theft is not so much uncommon in our society, and it all comes down to the information we share online. You know, it's been normalised to share private information from your life to complete strangers for their entertainment and their validation. His Holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmed Al Caliph has warned us many times on the dangers of social media and its effect on our consciousness, which can ultimately lead us astray from our faith. His Holiness has often said in his addresses and sermons that this new age of technology can encourage evil to lead us astray from the right path. Yes, definitely. Social media has of course transformed the way in which we socialise, 
Platforms such as Facebook, Twitter and Instagram have made it very easy to connect to family members and friends. Research by Global Web Index has shown that 59% of the world's population uses social media, with the average daily usage being around 2 hours and 29 minutes. It has strengthened relationships, bringing people together in a manner which was not present before. Social media has progressively developed a role in more than personal life. In addition, businesses have been able to hugely expand their audience using social media as a marketing platform, along with receiving the latest news around the world. Now, although social media has been able to greatly enhance many aspects of society, it has also opened up a whole new world of negativity. As a society, we become conditioned to share everything, predominantly our successes. Following on from what I mentioned earlier, this notion to maintain and keep up your image, society has created a dynamic where individuals rely on social media to gain satisfaction and attention, checking the number of likes and comments on a post, giving us a sense of fulfilment when sharing our newest purchases or investments. We're constantly immersed in a virtual world. After waking up in the morning, the first thing we often do is check our phones, supposedly looking at all the fun others are having. Ironically, a technology designed to bring people closer together can actually make you feel more isolated and exasperate mental health problems as well as physical health problems. It almost creates FOMO, fear of missing out, the notion that you're missing out on such things such as the newest phone or brand release, and it can severely impact your self-esteem, triggering anxiety and depression. It actually causes us to use social media more as we're compelled to use our phone every few minutes, looking at updates, and we begin to prioritize social media interaction over real-world relationships. It also creates a sense of self-absorption, where sharing each and everything on social media causes an unhealthy self-centeredness, and this cannot be good for our moral state. Society as a whole have reduced time spent in face-to-face -face contact and have become envious of each other. A Pew Research study found that 59% of teens had experienced cyberbullying, a figure portraying the impact social media has on society today. From an Islamic perspective, in a Friday sermon delivered on the 15th of March 2013 by His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed, he stated, and I quote, Inappropriate use of social media affects the standard of worship and acceptance of prayers. For any work, best results are achieved when work is done in a fresh state in the morning. This is not the case with the people these days who stay up late or stay up all night either on the internet or in front of TV or stay busy in other worldly affairs. So, as Alina said, for us as Muslims, it is essential to remember despite the current dynamic in society, faith always takes precedence. Thank you for that. As society gets more and more used to the social media world, I am reminded of a nice parable that further sums up a bit of what we're discussing. If you had a jar and it was filled with ping pong balls, marbles, and sand, the ping pong balls represent what's most important to you, the people in your life, so on and so forth. It's the quality of relationships that you have with others, which is the most valuable thing that we hold dear to us, that provides us with the most meaning and true happiness. The marbles represent things in this life that we need but don't necessarily value the most, such as our jobs, etc. The sand symbolizes material things. Now, when filling the jar, it's important to fill it up with ping pong balls first, then the marbles, and lastly the sand. 
Not doing so could mean that the ping pong balls, or marbles, might not have space in the jar if you fill it all up with sand. Hence, the meaning of this parable is while it's appropriate to have sand, or material things, in your life, it's important to prioritize it in a way that doesn't interfere with what's most valuable to you, which is exemplified by the ping pong balls, or the people in your life, or the intangible things that are most dear to us, such as love, peace, quality relationships, so on and so forth. Now, time is fast approaching for a short break. Thank you so much, Summer and Alina, for being a part of our program today on Sisters on Air here on The Voice of Islam Radio, where today we're talking about minimalism versus materialism. I look forward to furthering our discussion following the break. You are listening to Faith in Focus. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, said, In the state of spiritual expansion, one's pleasure and delight in worship heightens. The heart is opened. One's inclination towards God increases, and warmth and comfort is derived from prayer. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Sisters on Air here on The Voice of Islam Radio, where today our topic of focus is minimalism versus materialism. While I find minimalism a somewhat extreme way of life, I can imagine that having periods of time where I do detach myself would surely be an interesting experience that I could potentially grow from. I feel as though one place I'd like to start is by trying to detach myself from my phone. After coming home from work, I do like to be as present as possible for my children. However, I find that sometimes I do plug into my phone almost intuitively, and sometimes I do have to remind myself to put my phone away. There are extensive studies that have been done about excessive phone usage and its impact on behavioral health. However, the world that we live in today is such that we always seem to be plugged into this alternate reality, which is our phone. Even when I'm finished with work, I continue to have this feeling of constantly checking it just in case I've received any emails or text messages from, you know, my consultants or something. And I just can't imagine that that can be healthy. So I'd like to ask you both. um, Actually, if I come to you first, Samra, how do you feel about the fact that it's practically impossible to live in the 21st century without mobile or cell phone usage? Where do we draw the line of staying connected and being addicted to our smartphones? And if we do find ourselves using our phones more than we feel that we should, how can we lessen our usage? Although phones are an integral part of our life, with communication from any part of the globe to saving lives from a 999 call, a mobile phone gives us a sense of security. Through connecting us to distant family and friends, talking to them on a video call, along with capturing memories through photos and videos, There are more than 3.8 billion smartphone users worldwide and users are receiving 427% more notifications and messages than 10 years ago. Our phone has become a part of our personal identity, storing a whole host of personal and sensitive information about us. And without it, our lives almost can't function the same. I think it is essential to remember to not let the technology control us. Rather, we should have the ability to control technology. We don't often realise that we are addicted to our phones, from checking it as the first step in our morning routine to using it as part of our bedtime routine. It's characterised by the constant need to check for any messages and updates 
and we experience withdrawal symptoms if it is not in close proximity. Often when phones are stolen or misplaced, there is an urgent need to purchase a new one and we feel a sense of emptiness as though we have lost part of our identity and we are no longer able to communicate with people. In turn, we should limit our phone usage as much as possible and as a result we can communicate with others face to face, not only increasing mental health but also physical health and we can reduce unnecessary strain on the eyes and brain. Addictive phone users often promote a loss of control and is classified as a behavioural addiction. Several studies have shown excessive mobile phone usage can lead to anxiety, blocked creativity, insecurity, loneliness, lower concentration and cognition levels, along with many other problems. To prevent overusage of our phones, we should start by sleeping without it next to us. Not only will this decrease separation anxiety, but also improve our sleep quality as we're less inclined to check it late at night or early in the morning. We can replace the habit of checking our phone with proactive things such as exercise. An early morning walk or run increases mental focus and productivity, decreases stress levels and enhances metabolism. We should try to keep our phone out of our sight, particularly in places of work, and it can prevent the urge to check it, which will also increase productivity at work. And by taking these simple steps as a base to reduce mobile phone usage, we can definitely improve our quality of life. Well, I wouldn't say it is impossible to lessen our usage of our mobile phones, but it would take away many practicalities that we are heavily dependent on. You know, decades ago, we would have to wait days to hear from loved ones that are across the world. And now, at a literal touch of the button, we can speak to them however many times we like in a day. It is important to stay connected, especially in this age today, where things are constantly changing and developing. However, as we've discussed here today, everything has a limit. It can be quite frustrating that we are this addicted and dependent to our phones. I know I would be lost without mine. Whether it's a quick search or direction to the nearest underground station, my phone is my primary source of information. There was an era, and I'd say my generation is probably the last to experience it, but there was a time where even though there were phones, people actually sat together and talked. You know, when I go home, my younger brother is hooked to the TV and my other siblings are on the phone. But if I think back to maybe 15 years ago, there was an era where families sat together and talked, or we as children played outside in the garden. The concept of an iPad was non-existent to us. It has now taken over our lives. In terms of lessening our usage, it really comes down to whether we appreciate the small things in life rather than text on your phone, why not go see that person? It isn't easy, especially when we are now accustomed to it being a daily part of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The other topic I wanted to touch on is the importance of evaluating what your needs are and sifting out what's truly important because I feel as though we get easily persuaded that we need to have it all. You go to the supermarket and as you're walking through, you're convincing yourself, I need this, I need that, you know, Um, and before you know that you're getting all this stuff that you actually don't need. Um, So personally, over the past year, I've tried to make it a conscious effort to limit myself to go shopping for things that um, are only on my need list. And I've significantly reduced purchasing things that are on my want list. And the reason I've done this is because I find that I end up getting all the stuff that I don't end up using and it just creates waste. It's not efficient by any means, and it isn't even of any use. It's just impulsive shopping and seems a bit irresponsible, to be honest, especially in our current climate where the cost of living keeps on rising. 
to further this. Uh, so we've been going through house renovations this past year for a house that we purchased last year. Um, and we moved out into our in-laws for approximately four months temporarily while it got sorted out. As most of our things were in a storage unit, we had to rely on basically our essentials. Um, and we thought that this might be a big challenge for us because we have really young kids and it seems as though we need an endless amount of things to sustain them. Um, but actually, through the course of doing this, we realized that we didn't need all that stuff after all. In fact, three months of living with just our basics helped to reshape our thinking about our lifestyle when it comes to how many items we store in our new house. Now that we're starting the transition of moving into our new house, we're actually donating or getting rid of a large majority of our things and only storing the things that we really love or need. So the next question I'd like to put to our studio guests is what types of material possessions do you feel as though you have an attachment to? And do you think that you may actually be able to detach yourself from and even might benefit from doing so? Well, to start off, material in raw form often has no emotional significance. It is when the material becomes an object, it starts to carry meaning. An object which has served us well, part of many important events, becomes a valuable companion and we form a positive attachment. First and foremost, I definitely have an attachment to my phone. As I mentioned earlier, our phones are part of our identity, with every bit of information stored on there. I'm able to capture major events in my life and look back on them through my phone and can relive the many positive moments. However, having a phone certainly comes with risks, and as I touched upon earlier, it is undoubtedly beneficial to have some distance with your phone. Along with my phone, I also hold an attachment to my jewellery, particularly sentimental value. Jewellery is weighted with meaning, evoking emotion, particularly those jewellery pieces which have been inherited and those from monumental periods in people's lives, such as weddings. I am very fortunate to hold some of my late grandmother's jewellery, which is very close to my heart. I find it is more than just an accessory, and I greatly cherish the jewellery each time I wear it. I am reminded of the amazing woman my grandmother was. As this jewellery holds such emotional significance, I cannot envision myself parting with it, and I hope to pass on the jewellery to my future generations. My car is also something which I'm definitely attached to. It's something I greatly rely on to take me various places, and it is the same car which I learned how to drive in, and as you can imagine, it holds a great deal of interesting memories. I spend many hours every week in my car, and it's almost become a home. It's become more than just a possession. However, parting with my car would definitely reduce greenhouse gas emissions and force me to take up more physical exercise through walking and cycling to paces, along with using public transport. Ladies' handbags have also, for quite some years now, held materialistic value more than they used to. I certainly cannot leave the house without my bag, an item which I greatly rely on. Handbags for me also hold emotional value as they house a whole range of important items which I require. Nevertheless, I could definitely benefit from only purchasing a handbag when absolutely necessary, preventing any needless expenditure. I think by practicing non-attachment, it can help us to become less attached to material items and we can focus on spirituality and connections with people. Well, it is interesting how a person can have different perspectives at different stages of life. I would add here that for me growing up, I was very conscious of what other people thought of me and I always hated that I was the odd one out. So through my teenage years, I found that accessories and clothing were a big thing to me. 
When I left home for uni and I was thrown into the deep end of managing my own bills, I found that it was no longer necessary to keep buying those items. And really and truly, it was a waste and I could have spent whatever I paid for those items in a much more productive way. But aside from that, the main thing for me was realising that chasing that materialistic value and feeling good in my own skin was down to me and me alone. And I am glad I reached that point. So if I really wanted to feel comfortable in my own skin and I wanted to feel that inner peace, the only way I could attain it is through practising and gaining nearness to my faith. Alongside realising the futility of surrounding oneself with material objects comes the awareness of what really counts in life. Whilst Islam tells women to cover and preserve our beauty, there is plenty of beauty in our modesty and it took me a while to understand that. It was definitely difficult, but it took a lot of realisations and errors to realise that it was the best way to detach from such items because it was only leading me away from my actual goal. Yeah, so I believe that the overarching theme here is that any form of extreme outlook, whether done in small amounts or in excess, can be detrimental to us. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Do good deeds properly, sincerely, and moderately. Always adopt a middle, moderate, regular course, whereby you will reach your target of paradise. But the middle path can vary from situation to situation and from person to person. Are there any general guidelines we can try to follow to achieve the middle path in today's day and age? Well, Islam is a religion for all times, so its message is timeless. Adopting moderation or the middle way is definitely a core concept of Islam. We see that the Holy Quran encourages it in many places. For example, I have a few verses here with me to quote from. In one place, moderation is taught for something as mundane and everyday as walking. It says, and I quote, and walk thou at a moderate pace and lower thy voice. End quote. Chapter 31, verse 20. The Quran is also very clear about moderation in spending. It states, and I quote, and keep not your hand chained to your neck in utter stinginess, nor extend it in extravagance to the full, all you will end up roundly condemned and rendered ineffectual. Chapter 17, verse 30. And when describing several traits of those who are servants of the gracious God, the Holy Quran states, and I quote, And those who, when they spend, are neither extravagant nor niggardly, but moderate between the two. End quote. Chapter 25, verse 68. You mentioned a hadith or saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, about moderation. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, of course followed his master to the letter. He writes in one of his most excellent books, The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, and if I may quote, We have set out the moral teachings of Islam from the Holy Quran, the basic principle of which is that there should be neither excess nor deficiency. It is the characteristic of a moral quality that it does not exceed or fall short of its appropriate limit. It is obvious that virtue lies in the middle of the two extremes. Only the habit which seeks to establish itself in the middle promotes a high moral quality. To recognise the proper place and occasion is itself a middle. For instance, if a farmer does his sowing too early or too late, he departs from the middle. Virtue and truth and wisdom are the middle and the middle is appropriateness. In other words, truth is always in the middle of two opposing falsehoods. There is no doubt 
that watchfulness for the proper occasion keeps a person in the middle. Keeping to the middle in relation to God means that in expounding divine attributes, one should not lean towards negating divine attributes nor describe God as resembling material things. He goes on to write, in short, all Islamic teachings observe the middle. End quote. Yes, and I would like to add that overall, the key thing to remember is that if we want to feel any type of fulfillment in our lives, the first step is to come to terms with if it will actually benefit us. Islam teaches us what is right for us and what is wrong for us, meaning there are certain things that have been shown to us that tell us that it will lead us astray and it is only through prayer and guidance that we can stay true to the right path. The lifestyle of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, led was one of pure simplicity. He did not possess any luxuries and with what he did have, he often distributed to those in greater need. Our society has been overcompensated with luxuries that unfortunately have left a lot of people indifferent to the deficiencies and deprivation of many and now with the current cost of living crisis, sadly this includes many people in our own country, in our own cities. Likewise, many of the things we don't think twice about, such as clean running water, is a facility many people around the world can only dream of. I think until all of us learn to be grateful and appreciative of what we already have, it is difficult to truly attain a middle path. To find and follow a happy middle ground though, we must keep trying. Yeah, I believe that what we have learned here today is the beautiful Islamic teaching that things are best done in a way that is balanced, neither in small amounts nor in excess. I believe this is a teaching that we can carry with us through any walk of life, be it our spending habits, our ideologies, or our daily activities. Our lifestyle in general should be practiced on the basis of this fundamental principle. I'd like to quote an excerpt from The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, which is an excellent book written by our beloved promised Messiah, peace be upon him, who wrote, and I quote, The truly virtuous are in the habit of spending their wealth out of love of God on their kindred and on the upbringing and training of orphans and in making provision for the poor and for providing comfort for travelers and for those who ask and for procuring the freedom of slaves and discharging the burdens of those who are in debt. They are neither extravagant nor niggardly, but keep a balance between the two. They join together that which Allah has bidden to be joined, and fear their Lord. I mentioned earlier how happiness can plateau, which can lead to an endless cycle of wanting more and more in order to satiate our desire for happiness. Pertaining to this, I came across a fascinating narration. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, has related in his discourses that once a man was riding a horse. He saw a beggar who was wearing clothes that barely covered him. The horseman asked the beggar how he was. The beggar remarked, How is one whose all wishes are fulfilled? The horseman was astonished at this response and asked, How can all your desires be fulfilled? The beggar responded, When one forsakes all one's desires, then it is as though one has attained them all. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, added that in short, when a person wants to obtain everything, then it becomes a source of discomfort for them. However, when someone is content and in their contentment forsake everything, then it feels as if they have attained everything. I believe there is no better conclusion than this, to think that indeed, at times, the less we have in material standards is actually all the more we have emotionally and spiritually. 
By detaching our understanding of happiness and satisfaction from material goods, we are actually more likely to find a lasting happiness that does not plateau. I'd like to give a huge thank you to our guests today, Samra and Alina. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio and participating in this discussion. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I've been your host, Dr. Michelle Akbar Khan, and this has been another episode of Sisters on Air on Voice of Islam Radio, produced by Mrs. Shermeen Butt. Please join us again next time for more discussion on matters relating to women, religion, and society. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you.